0: Good morning. Good morning. Hey, you're awake. Isn't that good? Welcome to Richview Baptist Church. I trust that now you are alive. My name is John Christopher, and we are so glad that you are here. If you are new to Richview Baptist Church, we would ask that you would please fill out a visitor information card so that we can get to know you better and uh, you can get to know us better as well. If you do not have one of these, you do not know what's going on in this facility because there's a lot that's happening. Please get a bulletin from one of the ushers Take it home, pray over it and learn about what's happening in this place. If you haven't been around during the week, man, you're missing a lot. There's a whole lot of good stuff going on with kids and leaders. And I was here the other day when they were having water day. Let me tell you, that was spectacular. That was spectacular. And, and I hear some people uh, are really good cooks, and they're making really good food for the kids. Anyway, when the service is over, we would ask that this place be kept as a place of reflection and prayer and quiet. So once the service is over, if you'd like to go out into the foyer and grab a coffee or a tea and catch up with everybody else. That's fantastic. But we would just ask that in here would be kept quiet and a place where people can pray and reflect on the words that they heard this morning. Before we begin, let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the great creator. Thank you, Lord, that we can come here in safety and freedom that in this place not only are we here but you are here among us bless the words that have been given to Pastor Joe bless the ears that hear it may we take the words that are spoken this morning hide them in our hearts and reflect on them all week Heavenly Father we love you We worship you. We just ask that you would give us a time together where we learn more about you. See us all safely home afterwards. Give us a great rest of the weekend. And everyone said together, amen. Genesis
1: 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He put the universe in place and the planets and the stars and the moon and the sun. And he created you, and he said, you are beautiful. Give yourselves a hand for that. You are beautiful. And because he made us in in his image, we are beautiful. He is even more beautiful. These two songs that we are about to sing talk about the wonders of God and how he created the universe. And talk about how Jesus Christ is so beautiful when we look upon his face. And we look forward to the day when we can be in heaven with him and just sit at the throne and with the angels just praise him saying blessing and honor and power and glory unto him be unto him holy 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 is the lord god almighty so let's stand and sing god of wonders beyond our galaxy (laughs) is <laughs> the
2: Did you pray with me? God, we want to thank you. We want to just say thank you. Thank you for this moment and thank you for today. We want to thank you for even the people that are sitting beside us, God. Maybe we don't know them, but thank you that together we are journeying. And God, that we don't have to feel alone or forgotten. I thank you that being a part of your kingdom means that we are a part of something that is so much larger than just ourselves. So I thank you that we belong, and I thank you that we are accepted. And we want to thank you for the cross. We want to thank you for the forgiveness that is ours because of Jesus. So we want to just, like, take ourselves to the cross, God. We want to be with you there, and we want to remember you. Yeah. God, we ask that you would help us with our unbelief, God. We want to ask for more faith, God, more faith that you can do miracles and that you can change the world. We want to have faith that conversations with our neighbors, that those moments matter, God. God, we want to have faith that your love is more beautiful than, than anything we can experience in this world, God. We wanna believe that you are more than enough, God, And that even the things that we are struggling with, the things that our family and our friends are struggling with, God. We wanna believe that offering your love is all that matters, God, and that being present with them is the best gift that we could give them. God, we wanna believe that, that you rose from the dead and that that changed everything. So, Lord, would you teach us, would you continue to mold us and change us, God, and don't leave us how we are, but God, would you use, use everything, God. Yeah, may we be touched when we see the sunrise, may we be touched when we see miracles, and we, when when we see things that we don't understand, God, may you give us awe and wonder that we would love you more for everything, God. Yeah, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you that even though there are disappointments and discouragements in life, I thank you that you are enough. Yeah, so I pray, Lord, that, yeah, would you just be with us now, God, and thank you that you are with us, and thank you that your presence is here amongst us and that you are inside of us, God. Thank you for your peace, and I pray, Lord, that as we read your word, Lord, may it, may it touch us because it is active and it is living and it is stronger than a double-edged sword god it is able to to carve in us what needs to be done god so thank you thank you for this moment and i pray lord that you just go with us now and i pray this in jesus name amen
1: please stand as we sing now the love of god this song to me is it's always been like a poem you know when the words are so beautifully put together, especially the last one. It says, "Could we with ink the oceans fill, and will the skies of parchment made, will every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretch from sky to sky, the love of God." <laughs>
3: Show soul shall endure, O And strong, it shall forevermore enjoy the saints and angels. Thank you.
1: Please be seated.
4: Can I ask the ushers to come forward as we take? this is your first time here at Richview, don't feel obligated to give, um, but for those that call Richview their home, um, we do this as a representation of what God has given to us, and we want to thank him for, we want to thank him for everything he's given. It says in Matthew that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And um, I just want to pray in that direction this morning. Can you please bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to pray for the offering. Dear Lord God, thank you so much for all that you've given us. God, I thank you that you are giver of breath, giver of every breath that we breathe, author of all eternity. Care of, of every perfect thing. God, we give you glory this morning, Lord, and I pray that our hearts would be open. God, I pray that we would give sacrificially and joyfully. God, I pray that the offering that we take up this morning would be used to further your kingdom. God, and we thank you so much for you, what you have given to us. I've even been reminded over the last few days of how amazing electricity is. God, and I just thank you so much for electricity and, and roads that, that work and, um, and, and people that work all night to give us power. And, and, God, it's just so simple, but we take it so for granted. God, I pray that we would wake up every morning with a thankful heart. I pray that we would give you thanks because it says that in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So for the last couple of days, we have been... um, Sorry, last couple of weeks, we have uh, been introducing a song that we can do actions to. And so we're going to do that again this morning, but this time I'm going to do something a little bit different. If you are one of our rich few kids and you feel you want to come up and help me with the actions, help the adults learn the actions this morning, you can totally do that. Is there anybody that wants to come up and do the actions with me? Zico, I see you, come on Chandler, come on up, Is anybody else, come on, you don't have to raise your hand, come on up here, that's it, come on, any of the children, that's it, come on McKenna. This is just a representation of the littlest ones here at Richview, and so I'm going to put my mic in here so I can talk to the adults and we can show them the actions together. Okay, so this morning we are going to do your name. You guys know your name, right? You guys know the lyrics to it. Don't think you know the actions, though. And so the course of the actions is your name. We're going to go like this. Can you guys go like that? The bass is going around. Everybody stand to their feet. Get up. All right. So your name. Can you guys do that for me? Your name. Let's go.
3: so strong and mighty tower
5: We'll just continue on then, yes. All right. Just take a moment and pray. (sighs) Heavenly Father, I thank you that this place is um, very alive. I think of those 80 kids who walked through the doors last week and are back again this week who are hearing the good news. Um, God give those leaders those junior leaders, those volunteers, the people helping out behind the scenes, everyone just give them stamina and strength. Uh, just pray even for the openness of parents that are coming through these um, doors and seeing the creative chaos. That, um, we pray, God, that your spirit will work in their lives. Uh, continue to touch this neighborhood. Uh, God, we lift up Edelyn um, and her family today. Uh, we know some doors have closed to them today. It's a tough day for them. God, be with that family and just comfort them right now. <laughs> May they just know that you go with them. God, uh, just open those doors so that they can return here. Um, God, we think of the hills. We pray and continue to pray for healing in Ken's life. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just comfort that family and that your peace would reside on them. God we thank you for this week and how you protected one of our uh, family uh, one of our church members from a horrific accident and all they had were a couple scratches on them. And continue to be with the doctors as they uh, are just doing tests there to find out what may have been the cause but uh, thank you. Thank you for how you cared and you protected them as their vehicle rolled off the road multiple times. Um, and God we pray for those families that are Dealing with difficult stuff that there does not seem to be a lot of hope. Um, And and they're just down and things are just not going the way they hoped they would. May they experience your joy. May they experience you and know that uh, no matter what this world throws at them, no matter what curveball, no matter what duress, no matter what trial, you are more worth and surpassing those things and oh, may they put all their treasure in you today um, just help us now um, be with us as we enter your text guide us um, allow us to access your spirit like never before god bring comfort to those that are down and uh, maybe just uh, seek more and more of you today in your precious name So we've been spending the last couple weeks, I'm not on. Man, am I loud without a mic, huh? There we go. Better? All right. You probably didn't hear anything I prayed for, so let's do it again. No. (laughs) I was too loud. Okay, thank you. We've been looking at at Jesus' greatest hits. We've been looking at some of his greatest stories. And it's just a couple verses today. Matthew 13, verse 44. And it says this. The kingdom of heaven. Don't worry, we're going to be coming back to a lot. So if you're turning there in your Bibles, the page numbers will come up on the screen. But we'll be coming back to this a lot. But it's very, very short verses. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. Now, before we unpack those lotto ticket winning stories, we're going to go back a couple thousand years. And I want to take you to a story. It's found in the book of uh, Joshua chapter 7. And let me give you a little bit of context here. I talk about this story a lot, but I don't talk about the stories that follow. But there's this uh, Egypt's in bondage sorry israel's in bondage to egypt for several hundred years god brings a redeemer moses maybe you've seen the prince of egypt uh brings the 10 plagues then uh, moses leads the people across the reed sea and they're finally free and they spend 40 41 years wandering around in the wilderness eating frosted flakes every day never changing their clothes and all the men said, no, um, <laughs> a- and they come to the promised land after 40, 41 years, the land that God has promised them, the land flowing with milk and honey. And they come to the first city that God has given them. And if you've seen the Tale movies, they do a great clip here with these French peas. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. But they come to the city called Jericho. And it's got these walls around it. And God says, look, I'm going to give you the city. And I'm going to even make the walls fall down. And when you enter that city, keep nothing for yourself. And these are people who have been eating Frosted Flakes for 40 years. And these are people who haven't changed their clothes in 40 years. And all of a sudden... God does this thing, and, and his point is, I want you to do this. I want this city, this city Jericho. Let me show you a picture of it. This is what uh, uh, ancient scholars think it might have looked like. Next slide here. Maybe not. Okay, that's not what it looked like. Uh, or maybe it's before this one. Sorry. No. Okay, we'll keep going here. Okay, <laughs> it looked like this, and it had uh, windows, and uh, um, and he's going to bring them to this city, and. He's going to give them, and he says, look, I want this city to be a first fruits. That means probably not a lot to a lot of us here. But here's the idea of God is saying, I want you to give this city to me as a picture of, I'm going to give you the rest of the cities in this entire nation. If you will give me this city as a reminder, I'll give you all the rest. Sound like a good deal? Joshua chapter 7. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. And then in verse 19. Then Joshua, who was the commander of Israel at the time, said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against God, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath So we're told this story. God wanted them to leave this city. Everything in the city was for God. It was supposed to be a first fruits. And one guy by the name of Achan even explains that he got tempted. He falls into temptation. He's like, when I was in Jericho and and I was looking around, I saw this, this fabric from Babylonia. I saw 200 shekels of silver. I saw this wedge of gold that weighed 50 shekels and I coveted them in my heart and I hit them. Now right there, we get this model. It's a, it's a negative model. But we get the model of what it means to treasure something. And it says here that he looked and he saw. How did Achan know that that robe was from Babylonia? How, how, how did he know that this gold wedge weighed 50 shekels? I'm sure he was, he's looking around. He saw these things. And then he saw them. Are you with me? He saw them and maybe, oh man, look at the, And he probably studied it. He looked at it. He dwelt on it. And then he couldn't get it out of his head. S- same maybe with, with, the, um, with the gold wedge. And so he looked and he saw. He's able to describe it. That means he must have probably spent a little bit of time studying it. Would you agree? And dwelling on it and reflecting on it. And then he found himself lusting after it. And, and he knew very well that if he took it, what was he doing? Putting his, he was sacrificing his life. If you even read the story, it's quite morbid. He puts his whole family's life at risk. He risked everything to take it. He saw it, he coveted it, then he hid it. He gives up everything for what he saw. Can you imagine that people actually do stuff like that? He gives up everything for what he saw. So for myself growing up, especially when it came to church and religion and spirituality, is spirituality about conquering desires and shutting them off? Well, let, me, let, me say it in, let me say it a different way. Um, is spirituality about us, like say we have something wrong in our life, it's about saying I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to live this way. Is that, is that what it's all about? See, so, so we, we can begin repenting about some of these problems we have in our lives, but the main problem is not the behavior. And a lot of us here today, there's probably some dirty little secret, something we're struggling with, and we're trying to break free from it. If I come to church on Sunday morning, I'll get my spiritual vitamin, and that'll help me get through the week. So there's, there's a few of us that think that way, right? The main problem is not our behavior. The main problem is not breaking this rule or that rule. The problem is, what do you and I treasure above all else? That's the, tr- that's the problem. Are you with me? So if you sit down you go, God, I'm such a bad person. I I repent for breaking that rule. I I repent for hating my parents so much. I repent for looking at that thing on the computer again and again and again. I repent for treating my wife that way. I repent for falling into that sexual sin. And, And I'm not saying you shouldn't repent for things. I'm not saying... I'm not saying that those things are fine, but have you ever found that when you're repenting about things, you tend to feel worse? Just me? Okay. Um, Do you know where you actually need to start? Especially if you find you're doing the same sins over and over again? We'll talk about that later. I just need you to stay with me for a few minutes. But yes, we're going to talk about that today. If you've been around me, if you've been around the last two and a half years, I talk about it all the time. Following Jesus should be greater and richer and deeper and better, not a list of rules. So let's go back to the parables today in Matthew. First we're told someone finds a treasure. Hidden in a field. Anyone think that's kind of unusual? Unusual? Probably not back then, because back then, especially in Jewish society, they didn't use banks. So if you were wealthy and you had treasure, you had family heirlooms, you had photo albums, maybe not photo albums, but you had things like that, you couldn't just take them to the bank, invest them. You couldn't just take them to the bank and get them to pay your, your mortgage or your rent for a regular basis. You would take it and you would bury it in your house. You may bury it in a field. Then along comes some invading army, and they may do, they may kill you. What happens to the treasure? Still in the field. Yeah. And, th- and so it wasn't unusual for Jesus to be talking this way, because their economic system wasn't the same as it was for us. It would have been completely normal for a wealthy person to take their treasure, bury it, that way it stays safe, you'd hide it. And then the second illustration is, is, isn't all that unusual either. But back then, pearls, just like today, pearls are valuable, maybe a little bit more back then. Well, One story's told, you've heard of Cleopatra. They say she had a pearl that was worth 25 million denarii. A denarii is one person's day's work. So in today's terms, they say she had a pearl that was worth $4 billion. This one's only worth three. Um I got a raise this year, yes. (laughs) Now we look at these two men here. One's probably rich, the other one's probably poor. Uh, One one found the treasure by accident. One, he sought that pearl out. He sought and he sought it out because he was a pearl merchant. One, the seller doesn't know what's going on. And one, when he goes to sell, he knows it's worth something. So the seller knows what's going on. So everything is different about these two guys, except what? When they get the treasure, first they sell everything to get it, everything, and their lives are completely Changed. As soon as they get a hold of that treasure, their lives are completely transformed. They sell everything. Both of them, they sell their fields. They sell their family um, photo albums. They sell all their personal heirlooms. They sell all their knickknacks. And all the men once again said. And they got rid of everything. They cleansed the house. They got rid of the house. They got rid of everything. Because they understood there's no halfway to getting spiritual treasure. You're either all in for it, or you're not in at all. Because they realize that if I'm going to get that treasure, and this is the point Jesus is trying to get at, if I want that treasure, I have to get rid of everything. Everything. I have to sell everything. There's no halfway mark. Spiritual treasure, if it's real, it's not going to just change you a little bit. It's going to change all of you. And there's a couple principles. I mean, we can take from the story. It's a really short story. But first of all, spiritual treasure, it's always hidden. It's always hidden. It's never found where you expect it. And secondly, if you get a hold of spiritual treasure, it will change your life. Inside and out, upwards and downwards, in every way possible. Both of these men in these stories, they see something that no one else sees. And when it gets a hold of them, they understand that it's more valuable and beautiful than anything. and, And everyone else has missed it. And they realize there's no way, there's no halfway. They have to risk everything. They have to lose everything if they want it. And once they get it, man, it's so worth it. And this is the good news. This is the good news in the story. These two men, they found this, this treasure in the field. They found this pearl of great price. And they not only when they're selling every when they're selling everything, what's, what's their demeanor? They're full of they're full of joy. It's not like, oh man, I gotta I gotta sell my Lego. <laughs> this is, I gotta sell my basketball cards. And then it's, but but I know, I know once I sell it, I'll be able to. They're not doing that. They're like, I'm gonna get a four billion dollar pearl, suck (laughs) us. Who cares about those family photo albums and my heirlooms? Four billion. And they're fired up and they're excited and they're selling everything. There's no tears. They're full of joy. That's what it means to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You're so fired up. You're so full of joy. Look what I get! Not, oh man, I got to sell my iPad. (laughs) And you got a choice. It's between that And this. And Jesus in these tiny little illustrations here is trying to capture it. And he captured. He's like, "Hey, I will suffer. I will suffer my entire life because I know. Four billion dollar pearl coming my way. Who cares if I live in slums? Who cares? I'll give up everything if I know that's waiting for me. How many of you believe that? How many of you are like, you know what? I would suffer everything to get Jesus. Because that's what the story's about. Are you willing to give up everything in order to get Jesus? And I'm like, well, yeah, well, some of us are we're probably, well, yeah, I believe that. Are you willing to publicly identify yourself as a follower of Jesus? And I'm not talking about like getting on a soapbox and yelling in a park in an obnoxious way at the, loud, the top of your voice. Or going to your family members who don't know Jesus at the family dinner table, jumping on the dinner table and just aggressively, you know, telling everyone they're going to burn. But I'm, I'm talking about bringing up Jesus maybe at a point where, you show people around you that he's more important to you than anything. If you're more concerned about your image than you are about Jesus, what are you saying? That your image is more important than, yeah, I'm not willing to give up what people think of me for my love of Jesus. You're not willing to liquidate it. You're not willing to sell your image. You're not willing to give it up. You're not willing to do it. And for a lot of us, we're not willing to give up our money or s- some of those sexuality things or some of those other things for Jesus. And this story's trying to get across to us. If you want the kingdom of God, you got to be willing to sell those things. Some of us here... I know there's some stuff going on this today. And it's like, how could God do this to me? How could I serve a God who lets stuff like this happen in the world? But when we really peel back the layer, I think what you're saying is there's something I will not sell to keep Jesus. There's something that's more important about it. And the only way to get into the kingdom of heaven is to say there is nothing I won't sell to keep Jesus. And so he's trying to get this idea across to this crowd here. He's like, until you're ravished by me, until, until you're so, so in love with me, above all else, you will always, always put other things in front of me. Other things will seduce you. Sexual things, economic things power things, they will seduce you and they will pull you away until you get to the point, I am ravished by you, it's as simple as that now don't get too discouraged because this takes time, Achan didn't just walk into Jericho even though it's a bad example and go, wow, clothing from Babylonia (laughs) uh, shekels, you know it takes time If you really want to be ravaged by Christ, you need to spend time with him. You need to be with him daily. You need to get to know him. You need to fall more and more in love with him, especially if you're feeling dry today. Especially like, you know what, my relationship with God is non-existent. Have you spent time with him today? Have you gotten to know him this week? Have you examined him? Have you tested his truth? Have you gotten to just spend time with him? here's the deal the one thing all of us need to repent for the most important thing all of us in this room here in our world need to repent for is our lack of jesus bottom line is our lack of jesus repent for the fact that you're not ravished by him repent for the fact that there's this four billion dollar pearl For example, that's so much greater than everything else in life. Why do we keep hanging on to these things when we got this? God, Lord, in light of the fact of what you've done for me, I repent that I'm not ravished by you. I love what C.S. Lewis says here, the author. It's not that our desires are too strong. It's that they're not strong enough. They need to be stronger. What were we created for? To glorify God. Do you you delight in his teachings? If you could have anything, would it be life in God? Or are other things more attractive? And, And the scriptures were born in this idea that nothing would bring you more delight than God's word. Let me read this to you again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Do you understand? I don't sometimes. So sometimes I like to put things in Joisms. So let me show you a couple. What should I compare the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is like a basketball player who wanted the newest Air Jordans. So he worked 5 newspaper routes, sold all his comic books and cards, and that day came when he went to Foot Locker and bought him those new Air Jordans.
4: The kingdom of heaven is like someone who is so generous that every time they got a raise,
2: they just gave away more and more.
1: Kingdom of Heaven is like a scientist who researches on cancer and he gives up his friends and family and lives in total isolation until he finds the cure.
2: The Kingdom of Heaven is like a Justin Bieber fan who spent their entire life following him to one day trap him in an alley.
5: <laughs> so what shall I compare the Kingdom of Heaven to? It's like the nerd who can't wait for the latest iPhone to come out so they camp outside the Apple store four weeks ahead of time in order to get the phone. (laughs) Now do you get it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but Marissa's was brilliant. You know, just (laughs) who knew? Who knew? Ask her about her tattoo sometime. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. Wow. I'm going to pay for that. All right. I want to keep going here. There's just a couple other verses I think that capture it so well. Matthew 13, 52. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as, as well as old. You keep getting these pictures in Scripture and in the Bible of people who just want to get to Jesus. And they're so urgent about it. Matthew 4, verse 25. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across Jordan followed him. Luke 12, 1. Meanwhile, a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another. He's like creating mosh pits wherever he goes. People are so desperate to get close to Jesus. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. And Jesus is like, what brings me joy is to bring you the kingdom. God is a God of joy and he wants you to enter into this kingdom and enjoy his rule and reign. And how many of us have that desire? You see it so much in the Gospels. There's this one story about a woman who had an issue of bleeding for 12 years. And she went around to doctors. She went around and saw physicians everywhere trying to get the cure. And in Jewish society, if you had any issues of blood, whether it was cuts, whatever, you weren't allowed to be around other people. So this woman has had no physical contact for 12 years. And then she hears Jesus comes to town. And I don't know what she did, I, I, I always picture her, she's like sharpening her elbows. And when the crowd comes, she's like, there's this crowd around, how am I going to get, and she, I'm, I am sure this little lady, I just picture her, it was really small, um, maybe Italian, I don't know why, and <laughs> just elbowing her way to the front of the crowd, desperate to do one thing, just touch the hem of his robe. Not good enough to touch him. She just wants to touch the hem of his robe. She'll do anything, even if it means she's going to get locked up for touching other people. There's another, oh, we to do it all this day, but John 5, 2, one of my favorite stories. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethseth, Bethsda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Anyone dealing with habitual sins or the same struggle over and over again? Sometimes I don't think we have victory over temptations because we don't have bigger desires. Do you want to be well? People were trampling to get to Jesus. And Jesus, he conquered death. He, he, he paid the price. No longer sins held against us. We can be born again under the kingdom of God. And God wants us to experience him, to taste and see that he's good. And I think for most of us, we settle, and, and our admissions and our ambitions are too small. just like C.S. Lewis, we're settling for what's the best, what's the greatest. And the stories we're heard today, they're terrible, aren't they? But they're also amazing, aren't they? Why are they terrible? Because what do you need to do in order to get the treasure? you got to give up everything. you got to be willing to give it all up. All the money. All the fame. You may even have to accept pain and suffering. That's the bad news. What's the good news?
3: Treasure!
5: <laughs> but it's going to cost you everything. The bad news, radical bad news, it all has to go. Fire sale makes the block party look small, okay? Big sale, everything's gone. Treasure. That's the greatest news. I love what the apostle Paul says, and he says it several times. He tells us how to do this. Paul says, here's how you do it. I suffer all the time. I've been beaten up. I've been stoned. I lost all my academic standing, all of that. But I reckon that the sufferings in this present time are are nothing compared to the glory that is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And what that means is if you get this, you'll be able to face anything in this life. It doesn't matter what happens to you in this life because you know this is waiting. Heaven starts when you say yes to Jesus but we know one day he's going to repair and restore everything. What does it mean to count Christ as your treasure so you can face anything? Like how do you have this tremendous joy in the midst of suffering and pain and life not going and you're not having the answers? I don't know about you. I haven't met too many Christians like this in my life. Just a few. And, and, and sometimes when you meet someone who has this joy in the midst of cancer, Or in having lost someone they love, or living in poverty, you're like, man, they just have the gift of faith, right? Or look at how God has wired them. I've been envious of them. But that's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach if you want to have joy in the midst of all that, midst of giving away or losing everything, it's a discipline. You work at it. Why are you here today? I think some of you are here today because you know when I get around God's people and I get in his word and I dwell on it. It helps me. It brings me comfort. It brings me the strength in the midst of my present sufferings. For a lot of us, and I would say hopefully all of us. We're, we're getting into God's word, whether it's in the morning or if you're an evening person. God, God blesses people who pray in the morning. But, um, but I'm just kidding. But, uh, but if you're not, how are you supposed to be ravished? How are you supposed to love this guy who gave up everything for you? if you're not spending time knowing him more, coveting him more, lusting after him more, the way these people got to being able to handle anything is because they were completely ravished by his beauty. They understand the treasure. They saw the treasure, and they never let the treasure go. Imagine old Joe coming down, finding this Treasure on this property, digging it up. Wow, four billion dollars, and then they see the price tag for the property. The property is going to cost ten grand, ten thousand dollars. What? Where are we going to get ten thousand dollars from? I'll I'll have to like sell my car and, and get rid of my stamp collection. And, and and my phone i'll have to what are you thinking about old joe right now 4 billion 10,000 right do the ma- joe think mcfly mcfly think right like, like use your brain right right are you an idiot what wake up just think joe joe Look at the value of what's being offered over here. It far outweighs. The only way you and I here today can know that we've made that emotional transfer of our wealth from things in this world to putting Jesus, making Jesus front and center, is that you know that you'd be willing to lay everything aside without condition for him. That's the only way. Anyone who says, I won't give up my $10,000 for the billion dollars, you're not counting the dollars. You're not counting the dollars. You're not counting that. Anyone who will not give themselves up for him, who utterly gave himself up for us, anyone who's not willing to give up what they have, even though he gave up everything for us, doesn't realize what he gave us. Spiritual treasure, it's always hidden in a field of ordinariness. And if you have it, it will change you completely. And if there's anyone here today who says, "That hasn't happened to me yet." Keep digging. Let's pray. God, thank you for these brilliant stories. And just like a gem, when it comes to your scripture, sometimes we think, see things from different angles, off a different light, in a different way. And it, it just illuminated in a whole new sense. God, I pray for anyone here who's been building up treasures here on earth. And it's become priority over you, God. God, I I pray this week even that we would examine our our schedules and our lives. Would we be willing to give those things up for you? Have we made you a priority? Are you more precious and and worthy than everything else? And God, if we don't have that sense of urgency to get to you or want you, may we today repent. Repent for our lack of desire for you. Repent that we have not made you front and center the most important thing. Um, May we begin that understanding of just uh, knowing how much more worthy and bigger and greater and more incredible you are than anything this world has to offer. Thank you for that ultimate price you paid on the cross so that we could be free for eternity. May we not get tired of that story. May that story and those thoughts invigorate us each and every waking moment. And may you come back soon, Jesus, and restore and repair everything that's broken. Give us what we need to persevere today. We pray all these things in your mighty, holy, and awesome name. Amen. Please stand
1: now as we sing never once. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on your own. You are faithful, God. You are faithful.
3: <laughs> Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come. you've done knowing every victory was your power in us scars and struggles
5: Keep on digging and searching and pursuing God's rule and reign in your life. Go in peace this week.